Galatians chapter 5. Two weeks ago, I want to go ahead and throw up, we've been talking about the spirit-controlled life. Two weeks ago, we started talking about the spirit-controlled life, and we said that some things that we could take away. So if you're coming in and you say, I wasn't here for week one or week two, I'm going to give you some takeaways, and then we'll get back into our text. We'll be, uh, most of the part will be from verse 16 on in chapter 5. But a couple of weeks ago, we said that the flesh fights for dominance. And we talked about A.T. A. T. Robinson, Robertson's uh, commentary where he says that the, the flesh, when it fights for dominance, it does so because it's against the spirit. They're contrary one to the other. And he gives the analogy of it's like a tug-of-war contest that takes place even in the believer's life. That the flesh is always pulling and seeking for dominance. But as believers, we as Christians should be on the other side, allowing the Spirit to win that battle for us. We also talked about the flesh is difficult to control. And we talked about, we, we shared even last week, we reminded ourselves that in James chapter 1, he reminds us that uh, all men, all, all of us, all men and women, we are drawn away and enticed of our own lust. And so the problem is the, the temptation comes and then we have a choice, right? We have a choice of whether we uh, go with the flesh or whether we, uh, or whether we adhere to the things of the Spirit. And so there's this difficulty to control the flesh. We also talked and shared that the flesh is always pushing and seeking gratification because of the fact that the battle is ongoing. It's always going to push. It's always going to seek gratification. Listen. Who among us would like to have this service yesterday in the 101 degrees outside? No. We want to come into an air-conditioned area, comfortable seating, and, and, that, that's, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that we should go out and sweat uh, unnecessarily so. But what I'm saying is the flesh is always going to seek to be gratified. I, we would rather sit in an air-conditioned room on a comfortable chair or pew or whatever bench rather than sitting out with the mosquitoes and the gnats and the bugs and the spiders and 101 degrees and 108 uh, heat index. True or untrue? Unless you're Chris Owens, and Chris Owens, he would be outside. He likes that, that kind of heat, uh, as I learned Friday night. Uh, so it's always going to push and seek gratification. The flesh also is going to keep a person from doing what we know we what we would, what we should, and what we could. See, that's what Paul said. Paul says, hey, I, I know what I should be doing, but those are the things that I don't do. He said, and the things that I shouldn't do, oddly enough, there I find myself doing those things. And so they're always pushing and keeping us from doing what we would, should, and could. You know, I said this last week, the Spirit says that you and I we should be loving, we should be patient, we should be kind, we should be joyful, be generous or be truthful, but the flesh says, no, don't want any part of that type of lifestyle. And then last week, we discovered the heinous outcomes, the heinous outcomes from that list that the Apostle Paul gives us in verse 19, 20, and 21, those outcomes of the flesh. And we'll not go over that list again, but you remember last week I said the scary truth about that list is who Paul was actually writing to. He wasn't writing to a group of unbelievers. He was writing to the church at Galatia, the church at Galatia. He was saying to the church, he says, hey, listen, 
you're in the Spirit now. You shouldn't be living this way. And here's a list of things that uh, uh, the flesh manifests. These are the things that the flesh reveals. And we said last week or concluded that the flesh is capable of manufacturing one thing and only one thing. It's called sin. There's nothing good inside of my flesh. Nothing whatsoever. Listen, it's always going to push for the things that we shouldn't be doing. Uh, and then we, we talked about the, flesh, the fact that the flesh cannot and will not ever produce the righteousness of God. And in both of the messages that we shared, week number one and week number two, we determined that the only way that our lives would be spirit-controlled is if we took on this mindset of John the Baptist. And then you may not remember the reference, but we talked about that mindset that John the Baptist had in John chapter 3, verse 30. Do we have that verse? Can we throw that up there? John chapter 3, verse 30, where John says, He must increase, but I must decrease. See, if we allow Jesus to have more control in our lives, if we fall more in love with God, you know, that idea of love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, and if you look in Mark's gospel, and all of thy strength, then we're going to have a different outlook on things. And so John the Baptist said, hey, yeah, I was the forerunner, but he must increase and I must decrease. People need to put their focus on Christ rather than on me. And so today I want us to conclude our brief look at this passage. Notice with me, we're going to go right into it as we look at our standards and strength for living this spirit-controlled life, but also the satisfaction, where our satisfaction comes. It's like a lot of people say, well, I'll do that, but what do I get out of it? First of all, that's a dangerous proposition because that's the definition of iniquity. The definition of iniquity. You see, iniquity seeks to do the right thing but for the wrong reasons. That's where we have the struggle with the flesh. See, even believers, we can get caught up in that, right? We could do things, the right things. We could say, hey, man, I'm, I'm seeking to love the Lord thy God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and all my strength, and I'm really, man, pastor, I'm really on fire for God. But what do I get out of it? Stop the press. That's the flesh. The flesh comes back and says, what's in it for me? That's the definition of iniquity. And so we must be careful. And so, number one, let's look at our standard for living the spirit-controlled life. And to do so, I want you to go back with me a few verses to verse number 13. I said that we're going to be from verse 16 and on, but notice what verse number 13 says. It says, For brethren, ye have not been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say, verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, although we're not under the law, our standard is still going to be found in the word of God. You remember, who was real keen on the law? Huh? Who was keen on the law? The Judaizers, the Jews. You see, they thought that they could live a spirit-controlled life by adhering the law, but it, no man can uphold the law of God. That's why I'm so thankful we are not under the law. We are under the amazing grace of God. However, we must also be very careful not to continue to sin, 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 so that God's grace can abound. You know, Paul says, be careful of that. 
And so, although we're not under the law, the standard is still found in God's word. You see, because the Bible talks about in verse number 13, it says, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. You remember, I want you to know this. Let me just say this first. God's word is consistent. Think about it. God's word is consistent. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12, the apostle Paul talks about the fact that all things are lawful unto him, but all things are not expedient. That's exactly what he's saying here. He's saying in verse number 13, use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Hey, certain things may be lawful, but it doesn't mean they're profitable for our faith walk. It doesn't mean it's profitable for those that are watching us live this spirit-controlled life. So essentially, you have the same idea there, you know? Make sure that we're not living according to the flesh. Obviously, Jesus is our basis and standard for everything, and His standards for living the abundant life can be seen and found all throughout Scripture. But in verse number 14, the Apostle Paul gives us one word. Can anybody find it? It's the standard for living the spirit-controlled life. In fact, it's the standard for everything we do. Can anybody find the word in verse number 14? What is it? Say it out together. Let's say it again together. Let's say it again together. I think if we had more of that going around, we'd have a lot less problems. Now, before you misunderstand me, I'm not talking about a mushy-gushy love. I'm talking about a love that cares so much for one another that we're willing to tell one another when one another's wrong. I'm talking about a love that loves people so much. Red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in His sight. Hold on, I should have got more amen than that. Red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We have all been created in the image of God. And if we would go out these doors and actually operate on a spiritual basis of love, and by the way, if you're turning your nose up at that thought, I'm just going to say it. If you turned your nose up at that thought right now, I just said something, and you know, I get a different view from up here. It's not always pretty, by the way. Am I right? If you turned your nose up at the thought that all men are created equal in the eyes of God, you've got a problem. How can you say that you love the Father which you cannot see and hate your brother that you can see? Oh, don't get me started on that today. That's not the message, but I guess the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you that. Because I scanned the view and I saw somebody turning up their nose, looking at one another as if they had a problem with the statement that love is the standard for everything. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Carl Skinner would smile at that one. <laughs> man, we've gotten off on this manby-pamby love. I'm talking about a love that cares enough about people. That's the standard for living a spirit-controlled life. That we would love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 37. And then the second commandment is like unto it that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. That's living the spirit-controlled life. Man, I'm already fired up and I'm only four minutes in. Shame on you people. 
My wife told me to keep my blood pressure down today. Guys, I want you to know that there is no way that you could turn your nose up to that statement and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you turned your nose up to that statement about love, then I'm going to pray for you. And listen, you say, are you questioning my salvation? Uh, if the shoe fits, you've got to wear it. I'm not going to tell you you're lost. Because salvation is a personal thing. David said that. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's not, I, I, I don't, I'm not a broker of the Savior. I'm just a messenger of the gospel. Now get off my soapbox. Stay up there. <laughs> yeah, you come stand up here and see how it feels to stay up there. Here's the thing. Jared, I gave this to you earlier. The Christian life, so that everybody understands, the Christian life is not a legal relationship. The Jews tried that. The Christian life is not a legal relationship. It is a love relationship. A love relationship from God to us, us back to God, and then us to others. But that love requires that we share truth with one another. The reason that we're headed to hell in a handbasket, hand so to speak, is because we have taken our eyes off of God. We've put our focus on our homes, on our boats, on our cars, on our motorcycles, on, on our vacations, on everything. And listen, we need vacation. Amen? We all need it. But we're putting our focus in all the wrong places. And then, we, and then we sit back and we wonder why people are killing people, why people are bombing things. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand the whole thing with radical Islam terror. I, I get it. But at the end of the day, the heart of man is wicked. No matter whether they call themselves a radical Islamist or a Christian or any other why, other thing. Listen, and I think if we were living the life that we really ought to live as spirit-controlled believers, we might just have an impact on those that are around us. Gosh, i got to get off of this point. Number two, our strength. Our strength for living the spirit-controlled life. If you're a believer, it's found there in verse number 16 and following. The Bible says, this I say, then walk in the spirit. There's your, there's your strength. The strength is not going to be found in, in my physicality. It's not going to be found in my wisdom that I can attain from reading God's word. It's not going to be found in, in any other facet. My strength is found in the spirit. Because the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Notice verse number 16. Because you see that word that says in? That word in actually means that you and I are going to be living moment by moment, trusting in the Holy Spirit rather than self. That's the same thing we find in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. And so we find that it's consistent throughout Scripture. It means that you and I are going to be living under the Spirit's direction and control. Therefore, our strength to do so will come from the Holy Spirit. 
Now, the idea that Paul gives here is walking. It's a spiritual metaphor. A lot of people read scripture and say, well, what does he mean by this idea of walking? I'd rather drive, I'd rather fly, I'd rather take the train or, or a taxi cab or something. But walking takes a long time. I mean, if I walk out to my car, it's going to take me five minutes to find my car. If you've ever gone to Walmart and been like me, you forget where your car is and then you're walking around for a long time. But here's the point. The spiritual metaphor is that Paul is saying that we're to walk in the Spirit. Walking denotes progress. Watch. I start here. That's where I was. Here's where I am now. I keep walking. See, this is what Paul's talking about. He's saying, don't stay over here. This is where we as Christians make the mistake. We trust Christ. We, we, we pour out our heart. We say, God, come into my life. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. I realize I'm undone. I need you to save me. I need you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. And, and man, it's so exciting. And then we follow the Lord and believer's baptism, or at least I hope we follow the Lord and believer's baptism. And then we just sit. And we wonder what's going on. Paul says that we're to be walking. He never says to go backwards. We're to be walking in the Spirit. The Spirit is not going to lead you. Listen, watch this. It's not going to lead you in a way that is contrary to God's Word. The Spirit will never do that. A lot of people say, oh, Pastor, I, I, I want to let you know the Lord's leading me down here and the Lord's leading me here. The Spirit will never lead you somewhere that it is not consistent with God's Word. You know who leads us in ways that are contrary to God's Word? It's called the flesh. That's why I've been talking about a spirit-controlled life. See, the strength of the living a spirit-controlled life is the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6, the Bible says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Someone has said this, Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. Oh, we got to walk in the spirit, folks. Romans chapter 8, verse number 6 the Bible says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Flip one page over, or maybe two pages in your Bible, and notice with me, and I don't have it on the screen, guys, so I'm just making a reference. But in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, you remember um, I made this correlation uh, a couple weeks ago. This is where the Apostle Paul, remember he's speaking to the church of Galatia, now he's speaking to the church at Ephesus. He, he says this in verse number, uh, number 17. Let's start there. He says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Okay, and then he goes on. He says, Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things. Okay, so if you go back, Paul gives this illustration in Ephesians chapter 5, which actually speaks to what we're talking about in Galatians chapter 5, and he says this, here's the, here's the analogy, a man decides to drink, this is not a message on drinking, alright, this is not that message, a man decides to drink, but here's the reality of what Paul says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, because as soon as you drink, then what happens is that drink begins to take over. See, what happens is we drink and we say, man, that tastes good. Man, I, I'm not worrying about that problem anymore. And so the drink starts to take over, take over. And so what do we typically 
a person would typically do? They want to do what? This is what Paul's saying about the Spirit. He said, but be ye filled with the Spirit. He says, choose, like somebody would choose to take a drink and allow that drink to control their actions after that, or any other thing, by the way. It doesn't have to be a drink. It could be something else. Choose to walk in the Spirit. Because once you make that choice, the Spirit will then start leading and guiding and directing your life. Oh, that's a good word from Paul. God gave him that, and he shares that with the church at Ephesus. And he shares it by, uh, it, by association with us. The problem with the scenario is typically, you see, our flesh says, don't fence me in. Listen, I don't even like that passage in Ephesians, so don't fence me in. I, I know you said it isn't a message on drinking, but you brought it up, so don't fence me in. Uh, our flesh says, outside the spirit are pleasures that will make me happy. Pastor, don't you know outside that are things that make me happy, make me feel good? Yes, I do know that. That's why we're talking about it. That's why it's so critical. I know these things happen in our lives. And I'm covered with the same stuff you are. But this is why we must discuss it. This is why we must pay attention to what God's word says. I put down here, but a person who lives a life controlled by the Spirit has come to the conclusion that there is nothing worth having or sinning for outside of their relationship with Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible reminds us to let the peace of God rule or empire in your hearts to the which you are also called in one body and be ye thankful. By the way, the peace of God is not going to rule in your heart unless you have the peace of God in your heart. Uh, and that's important. Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says, As you therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We live the victorious, spirit-controlled life in the same way which we received it. Repentance and faith. And then as Paul says to the church at Rome, Romans 1, he says, obedience to the faith. He actually begins the book of Romans Romans chapter 1, verse number 5, speaking about obedience to the faith. And then he ends over in chapter 16. If you go there, you'll see he's speaking about obedience to the faith. That's the bookends for the book of Romans, by the way, that we would live in obedience to the faith. And so it's important. But the question is, will we choose to follow the Spirit's leading or will we choose to fulfill the lust of the flesh? Verse number 18 again says, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now here's what I want you to see, that word if in verse number 18. Can we put that back up in Galatians 5, 18? It says, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Here and then again later in verse number 25, the, the implication is that since. So now replace the word if with since. Here's what Paul because he's writing to the church. But since you've been led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. It was the Spirit that wooed in your heart when you got saved. If you're a child of the King, no one, by the way, no one gets saved apart from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It just doesn't happen. You say, well, I knew somebody that got saved. It didn't happen. The Word of God and the Spirit of God is what draw a man or a woman or a boy or a girl's heart. And so we see this idea that the meaning is actually sense. And here's the thing, as believers who have essentially died to ourselves through our repentance and by placing our faith in Christ, and who are now have the Holy Spirit residing inside of us, it's only right to believe that we would be relying 
on the Holy Spirit's strength to lead us into doing the moral will of God, to motivate us into doing what is right, and then also to provide us with the power to do it. And the only way we receive that power is when we get into God's Word and we start to obey God's Word and follow God's Word. Philippians 2.13 reminds us that it is God that works in. It says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Oh yes, the Holy Spirit's our strength. The, the satisfaction, number three, the satisfaction for living the Spirit-controlled life is found actually in the fruit that it produces. And you see that list that we have, and we'll not go over the whole list in major detail because it would take another three or four messages. But notice what verse 22 and 23 says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, notice, it says it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now notice what verse 22 says. It says, the fruit, singular, but I want you to look back at what verse number 19 says. What does verse number 19 says? Now the what? Okay, so when we live the spirit-controlled life, we produce singular fruit and has all these characteristics. When we live according to the flesh, it produces works or deeds. And you remember there were 17 of them. And those were just the getting in point. You know, from those are a myriad of other sin, sinful things that take place. And so we see the difference between being singular and plural. When we think of works, we think of deeds and labor and toil. And when we think of fruit, we actually think of something that's living something that's beautiful, something that's satisfying. I was in Wegmans, um, oh, a few weeks ago, and sometimes when I'm running out of time and I just need to get something quick, I'll run to Wegmans and I'll get a piece of pizza. And I happened to walk in the main door instead of the one down, and I went by the fruit stand. And I saw those nectarines. And I saw those plums. And some of you may be going like, ugh, ugh. When I was a little boy, see, I'm not allowed to eat a lot of fresh fruit anymore. Some of you may know that uh, from my, my health things that I've had in the past. But I got over there, and I started thinking, hmm, I could peel that skin off of the plum and go to town. I could peel the skin off the nectarine and go to town. So, <laughs> so you know, the flesh is calling. So I got a bag of nectarines, got a few nectarines, got a few plums, then I went and got my slice of pizza. You want to know where those nectarines and plums are even to this day? Oh, they, they went in the garbage. They went bad. She says, who got the nectarines and plums? And I was like, I did. Why did you get those? You, don't, I, you can't have that. You can't. And I was like that. Because I remembered that it was good. Isn't it always the prettiest area of the store, the produce section? You got the fruit looking so beautiful. And if we're not careful, we miss it in Scripture. How beautiful it is. Look at that list. It's a beautiful list of one singular fruit. It's a list filled with love. That selfless, sacrificial, agape love. 
joy, inner happiness and gladness, a deep-seated pleasure, peace, this type of peace or wholeness that only comes when we are bound together with Jesus Christ. By the way, some of you may have seen that t-shirt uh, this past year. It said, no Christ, N or K-N-O-W, no Christ, dot, 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 no peace, K-N-O-W, no Christ, N-O, dot, 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 no, N-O, peace. Why is that true? Because he is the peacemaker. He's the only one that brings peace into our lives. Our lives are filled with chaos everywhere we look. Look at the fruit goes on, long-suffering, talking about patience amidst bearing and suffering under some pressure, some disease, some accident, discouragement, or disappointment. Talks about gentleness, the idea of being kind and good, useful or helpful, showing that you care for and, and are willing to be used to help others. Goodness, this idea of being good, being full of virtue, treating everyone like they should be treated. Being good, I've already said it earlier in the message, involves discipline and rebuke. Those are two words that we're not very fond of. In fact, we don't like to rebuke one another because we're afraid of one, of one another's response to that rebuke. We don't like to correct one another for the same reasons. Um, faith talks about being faithful or reliable, steadfast in devotion and allegiance. Meekness, and you've heard this many times, uh, meekness does not mean weakness. It just means to be gentle, under strength, under control, exhibiting that strength. Temperance, the ability to master and control one's body or the flesh with all its lusts that are warring. Remember we said in James chapter 4 verse 1 last week, what wars against us? The lust of the flesh. It wars inside of us. Fruit of the Spirit is produced for the same purpose as the fruit we find in the farmer's market. To be enjoyed. The fruit of the Spirit is produced in our lives for the same reason or the same purpose that fruit in a farmer's market is produced, to be enjoyed. It's not produced simply to be admired or to be observed or put on display, but to be enjoyed by all. Someone has said there are laws against deeds or works of the flesh because they are destructive, but there are none against the fruit of the Spirit because it is edifying. The works of the flesh know no law, but the fruit of the Spirit needs no law. You know, there are mil multitudes, I was going to say millions, but really just multitudes and multitudes of people who are starving for love. There are multitudes of people that just want somebody to love them. There's a lot of people that are looking for joy, looking for happiness and peace and on and on. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that when that fruit of the Spirit is being modeled in our life, by the, way, by the way, I don't always do a good job. But I'm just crazy enough to believe that when that fruit of the Spirit is going to be modeled in my life, in our lives as believers, that it's going to have a, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful uh, reality. It's going, to, it's going to draw people. You know, it's a talk about drawing people to the foot of the cross. I believe it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a beautiful work in that it will, it will be attractive enough that people will say, hey, there's something I don't have. And hey, just as I saw the nectarines and the plums, that's something I want. And when we live that type of life and God uses that, I believe that, man, we'll see many people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
when we bear this fruit, Christ is glorified. The Holy Spirit's evidenced in our lives. We'll be living a victorious life, that abundant life that Jesus talks about. And also, if we have that fruit of the Spirit in our life that's controlling us, we're going to be able to reach others. We just are. Lastly, and I close with this thought, our secret for living the Spirit-controlled life. Notice with me verse 24 and 25 and 26. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If or since... We live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Notice verse 24. As Christians, the flesh has been and must continue to be, day by day, put to death. We have to die to self daily. Remember Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow me. That's a day by day. And many times, it's a... I don't know, anybody else been there? Many times it's a moment-by-moment struggle. (laughs) It's not just a day-by-day, you know, because you get up in the morning and you can say, man, I'm going to live for the Spirit today. And then you get out on the highway and somebody cuts you off. (laughs) And and I'm guessing the thought that comes to your mind is not (laughs) Spirit-filled. You ever been there? (laughs) I lived on 66 for a long time. We get, we get involved in things and it's like, we, you know, it's like the what are, best laid plans. You know, it's like we have, uh, we, uh, we all have good intentions. Alan Taylor said this, and he said it about uh, Sunday school ministry, but, but I think the principle applies. He says, we all having, have good intentions, but good intentions are no good unless we get intentional about our good intentions. You'll get that later. All right. <laughs> Woo. Tough crowd. <laughs> Uh, it's tough because I'm talking about something that's not natural. See, the, uh, uh, obeying the lust of the flesh is natural. Talking about living a spirit-controlled life rubs against the grain sometimes. You know, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2.20, we said this over the past few weeks, he says, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. But I, what I want you to know is before he said that in verse number 20, He said this in verse number 18. Notice what he says. He says, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. I already put it to death. Why would I rebuild the flesh? Why would I allow the flesh to build up and rear its ugly head in my life? I already put that to death. When I I trusted in Christ, when I had that Damascus Road experience, and I was confronted with the reality of an eternal God. I put that to death. He says, if I, re- if I rebuild that, he says, I make myself a transgressor. And in verse 25, remember, we're, the implication is since. It says, since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And here's the really cool thing. In my Bible, on this page, and you guys come up later, you could see it, it's crazy. If you know me, if you look at my book of Ephesians, you would say that Ephesians is probably my favorite book. It probably is. It probably is. Paul has so much to say in the book of Ephesians. But in Galatians, I have in big bold letters, right here under verse number 25, it says these words. Keep in step with the Spirit just as a soldier does. Now, I close with this story or illustration. In the military, I had many occasions. 
whether I like it or not, to take road marches, to go out and set up camp for training, this, that, and the other. And here's some things I learned in the military. I was responsible to get my pack ready. I was responsible to make sure my weapon was clean. I was responsible to check out the necessary ammunition. I was responsible to make sure that I myself was ready to go. I was responsible to show up at the appointed time. But something happened when I showed up. The platoon leader takes over. The platoon leader says, man up and march out. The, the platoon leader, every so often, calls a halt and says, take a break, water break, whatever. And they used to say a lot of other things. Things that I don't condone, smoke them if you got them, and all those kind of things. But that was the platoon leader. The platoon leader also, every four or five hours, would stop. And the first time I thought it was kind of crazy, he said, change your socks. I was like, whoa, you don't need to get personal. And he wanted us to change our socks so that our feet would remain healthy. The platoon leader also was the one who said, halt, it's time for chow. He was responsible for our nourishment. It was the platoon leader who said, hey, it's time to stop for the day. We're going to set up camp over here, set the perimeter, set the security up. That was the platoon leader who told us to do that. By the way, it was also the platoon leader who led our platoon in training so that I would be successful in battle. Anybody see the analogy? The spirit-controlled life is the same. See, the Apostle Paul says in verse 25, if you live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Allow the spirit to lead. You see, in the military, I had a choice. I could either obey the platoon leader, my squad leader, platoon leader, first sergeant, commander. I could obey those, those individuals and really be successful. Or I could disobey that leadership and face the consequences. You and I, who have the name named as Christians, you and I who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who have the Holy Spirit residing in us, we have the same choice. The same is exactly true. You and I can choose to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, to motivate us, to provide for us, or you and I can choose to feed the flesh. If we feed the flesh, the Bible talks about the outcomes. If we walk in the Spirit, the Bible talks about the outcomes. I want to encourage you, choose a Spirit-controlled life. Allow God to work in and through you. Allow God to use our church as a beacon of hope, as a beacon of peace, as a beacon of love to those that are in this area. There are still people who need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who have heard about Jesus, but a lot of people are not seeing people who claim to be in Jesus, living for Jesus. Therefore, they don't want Jesus. Let us be spirit-filled believers that go out and create a culture of change. Change that can only come through Jesus Christ our Lord.